Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. My name is Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. FigureChick911, up on Instagram and YouTube. We're going to take a spin off of our typical personal and professional development podcast, and we're going to be highlighting a different division of our company, which is health and fitness. And today we're going to dive into what I think is just a really cool subject. It's a little bit advanced, but I promise you, this is going to touch on an issue which affects more people than anybody probably even realizes. And it's something which we call trap dominance. All right, I know I like your head. It's like, what is what is this? All right, so here's what I'm going to talk about. All right. First of all, as per our norm, let's get some anatomy out of the way here and let's talk. Traps are a muscle on your body. They're on the backside of your body. It's this diamond-shaped muscle that stretches from the base of your skull. It fans out towards the back of your shoulders and then it comes to a point on your spine, kind of like in between like your neck and like your mid-back area. So it's like this pretty big diamond-shaped muscle. Now, if you are a man or if you know any men, typically the traps are a muscle group that men like to have a well-developed set for because when you look at them, it's, it, you know, it gives them kind of like that, those big blocks of muscle around their neck on top of their shoulders. It, it exhibits strength and masculinity and dominance. All right, so there's a lot of guys who will specifically train their traps. And to add injury to insult here, I'm talking about something called trap dominance, is that men are very upper body expressive. And so the tendency for them to be very, very trap minded, where they're purposely training the traps to become developed, is also accentuated by the fact that guys are upper body expressive. So like high fives, you know, chest bumps and things like that. It's all upper body. So what I'm here to tell you, trap dominance is something that happens where when, and this can happen to women too, when an athlete moves a weight, they um, maybe they're punching, they're moving their body somehow, the tendency is for the traps to engage as the primary muscle that fires first and actually drives the momentum of a lot of the motion. Okay, and so, all right, so what's the problem with that? The problem is that when the traps become dominant, it causes a cascade of effects down the body. And some of the things that we see in individuals who are highly trap dominant, okay, the traps are leading all the muscles, the traps are taking over for the muscles, first and foremost, it can take you down the pathway towards injury because the traps comparatively to some larger muscle groups like your lats or your quads, the traps are smaller and they're in and around your neck. So when the traps are firing all the time, it can cause your spine up near your neck to become out of alignment. And as a lot of people know, you've got nerves and things which are running in between your, your vertebrae, your spinal bones, and you can have some problems with like nerve impingement and things like that. 
But the other thing that can happen, and a lot of people don't know this, um, I'm a muscular development coach. You know, I'm the founder of this academy and I'm you know, building out the different dimensions of it, but I'm a muscular development coach. And a lot of people have come to me over the years because they've reached a plateau in their athletic performance or in their ability to just simply put on muscle for the mere purposes of, of aesthetics. So they reach that plateau. And when I started working with them and looking at them and watching their movement patterns and, you know, we look at diet and all these other things, what I found was is that there's so much reliance on the traps that it causes other muscle groups, whether they're accessory muscle groups or even major muscle groups like your pecs and your glutes to actually what we call become inhibited. And it sounds crazy, but I want you to start thinking about your body or your athlete's body as, you know, you've got bones in there, you've got muscles in there, and you also have, you know, your blood vessels, but you have this super highway of nerves. And nerves fire usually according to habit when it comes to movement. Okay, so how you brush your teeth every day, you have a habit of that. Your nerves are used to how you hold the toothbrush, which side of your mouth you brush first. Like, it becomes very habitual. And if you don't believe me, try brushing your teeth with the opposite hand and see how easy it is. Okay, so there's this thing called mind-muscle memory, but it's highly governed by the pathway of the nerves and how your body is used to, via movement habits, how it's used to highlighting the muscles. In order for a muscle to move or to contract, there has to be nerve impulses floating through it. Okay, so that's some like the anatomy. So picture if somebody is trap dominant, what typically happens is the nerves that are moving through the traps, they're becoming highlighted with electricity first, causing the muscle to initiate the movement or even dominate and try to control the movement and there's less energy, less electricity going to accessory or supportive or even overt other large muscle groups. Okay, so when we're dealing with athletes who have trap dominance, in order to train them out of that pattern for injury purposes, for injury prevention purposes, they've reached a plateau, they're trying to bring up other areas of their body, you have to start taking your athlete apart in a way and becoming more like a mechanic in how you then retrain the movement patterns. And everybody's like, oh my God, this is so hard. But this is, I mean, there's actually like a recipe to do this. And this is what I train my coaches to do. This is what I've become a specialist at. And we're going to just take some time on this podcast to unpack some of the steps that you can do with yourself or with your athlete and get them to a higher level of performance and help them achieve the aesthetic results that they like as well. Okay, so I'm just going to take you through some of the points here. And obviously, every person is different. And there's a lot that goes into individual coaching and as you know, right, I think that's a given. So not everything may necessarily apply. And there may be a lot more which we need to include with your situation or your athlete's um, situation. But, you know, but we'll do as much as we can here. So 
let's say you have this athlete or you're an individual who is highly trap dominant. How do you know this? Well, you're going to know it by how you're moving. Okay, and clearly anybody who's into muscular development by any stretch will either be able to say like, yeah, I know that my traps take over the movement. I can see it. I can feel it. I don't know what to do about it. Or they've reached a stall, like they've reached a plateau on their bench. And once you get to talking with the athlete, and I always ask, like, can you feel your pecs take over? No, I can't feel my pecs take over. Can you feel your your rear delts or your glutes? No, I can't feel those. Like, they just, they don't fire. They never have. And those are indications that this individual has been training their traps to be primarily dominant for a long period of time. So what typically happens is that when they have that trap dominance, it causes, again, the other muscles to become completely submissive to the traps. And it's, it's, it's like having like a group of workers. Right? <laughs> it's funny. You know, a group of workers that you did not hand select. So this is not like your pristine team. It becomes like a group of workers who were just thrown together. And if there's somebody in the group who does a lot of work, like there's an A player on the group of muscles and the other ones are C players, the other muscles just won't do any work because, well, why should they? Because the A player is doing all the work. And that's really what happens when you have somebody who is highly trap dominant is that the other muscles are like, well, shit, man, I don't need to work because this one's doing all the work. So they become very weak. They become um, actually atrophied in a lot of ways. But sometimes the other thing that can happen is that based on the movement that the athlete is doing. And in my academy, you know, I uphold like the tenet of Nike. Like if you have a body, you're an athlete. So this may apply in terms of occupation. Definitely when I work with you know, firefighters, first responders, you know, we have issues with how they carry their tools, you know, how do they pull ceiling, how do they swing an axe, etc., etc. Trap development with them is going to, or trap dominance will develop with them according to their movement patterns. And that's going to be different with how trap dominance develops with an MMA fighter or somebody who's high into CrossFit or some of those fast explosive trainings where they're, they're snatching off the floor or they're swinging kettlebells around or, or things like that. So every individual based on the activity has different fallouts from trap dominance and their body develops, the muscles develop in accordance with the planes of movement that they execute. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is that typically, um, to probably put this in a very simple form, individuals who are trap dominant have a tendency to be very forward motion developed. And what happens over the course of time is, yes, the traps become developed, the traps become what we call innervated with the nerve impulse, but what happens is that they start to compress their torso, actually their whole body, starts to develop into the letter C, they become compressed both on the vertical and the horizontal plane, curling and curving towards the front. Because let's face it, that's where a majority of life happens. And so whether they're pulling ceiling, whether they're bench pressing, whether they're even, I, I see this with my nurses. Um, 
nurses who are leaning over a, a surgical table for periods of time if they're working in the operating room or they're working in the emergency room and they're you know doing all kinds of stuff leaning over their patients, your muscles form and can form to what you put them through every day. And you may not think about the impact of what you do for an occupation or even how you train. You're focused on improving your skill of athletic performance or, you know, what you need to do for your job. But when you couple that with the, the dominance of the traps, over time, the torso curls forward both on the horizontal and the vertical plane. And what we usually see is an inhibition of the upper pecs. And we start to see the pecs become shorter and, and more contracted in the forward plane. And we see a lot of tightness where these athletes or these individuals are not able to reach around their back with their arms. So again, if this is, we're talking firefighters, they're not able to reach around, they're not able to turn on their air packs. If we're talking about athletes, they're not able to reach around and do shoulder stretches. A lot of times I see some athletes who are old school and they're doing lat pull downs behind their head and their shoulders are so tight and their chest is so tight from having that forward curvature if you will that I swear to god like I have to I can't even like watch like I'm just waiting for something to snap and <laughs> it's, it's going to be ugly and bad and that's what you t typically see so some of the complaints that your athletes or, or yourself may may see like man I just I can't go up on my bench well why well, you look at how they're benching, you look at the curvature, you look at a side profile, you can see from their posture that over time, what you see is you start to see that curvature. All right, so what I'm going to invite you to do is, you know, be smart about this. You've got so much resource, just do a quick Google search, you know, on side profile of, you know, a normal spine. And there's this one picture, like you're going to see, um, you know, some people who lean over a computer every single day, like their head is always jutted markedly forward. They've got kind of like a hump on the back of their neck and shoulder blades, because over time, that's how they're shaping their body. But you can see that in athletes, and you can see it in different people based on their occupation, even if they're not sedentary. So the muscles are forming that way. And then on top of that, you have what's called fascia. The fascia holds the muscles and the nerves and the blood vessels on your bones so that, you know, when you stand up, you don't, just like your muscles don't drop to the floor because of gravity, the, the fascia also becomes constricted in that plane. Fascia is supposed to be very elastic. Um, the fibers of fascia, they run in different planes. Some of it is like transverse, some of it is horizontal, and it can become very tight and stuck if you would. And we should probably do a podcast on fascia because fascia is highly um, impacted by your diet. So if you're underhydrated or if you have a lot of sugars or processed foods in your diet, it actually causes your, your fascia to stiffen up. And that can also add more insult to injury where you're not able to get expansion of the chest cavity of your thorax, of your, of your shoulder capsule or anything because you're having a double problem here. You've got muscular formation in the horizontal and the, and the vertical plane towards the front and now you've got compounded problem where you have the fascia which is now suffering a problem too because it's hard and it's leathery and it's nasty and 
So what we have to do is you have to start pulling the athlete like apart, kind of like how you would an onion. It's like layer by layer. And typically what I'm going to tell you, if we can just focus on the pecs here for a second, that when you have athletes or yourself, you have this issue with trap dominance, typically what you're going to see is if you stretch and expose your chest. So whether you're, you're putting your arm up in a doorway and you're stepping forward to, to stretch your chest or somehow you're doing that to, to stretch out that pec muscle. And again, the pec muscle attaches at your sternum and it goes outwards towards the shoulder that you're going to first and foremost feel tighter. But number two, if you actually work to massage the area specifically just to like the border of the sternum, we call this to the lateral aspect of the sternum. And I have a, a myofascial release tool that I use with my athletes and I roll it on that spot. They've got these ridiculously like sticky adhesions, we call them. They're like these muscular knots from hell. And as you're rolling on it, man, it makes my eyes water to do it to, to especially guys. Cause you know, guys, you just like train your chest, like holy hell and to get through the muscle in the beginning they're like they're like oh this doesn't hurt but then when we do you know a series of stretches and we get you moving and we're working on shoulder mobility then we get down into the deeper levels and as you're rolling it's like rolling over gravel and you can see the tool as you're rolling on it it's like like as you're rolling over this gravel but that's breaking down some of those sticky points that are keeping you from from opening up and expanding posteriorly like towards the back but that can happen because of this issue with trap dominance and high levels of chest training okay so there you go all right so there's one now here's the other thing when you're dealing with muscles and you're trying to undo, you're trying to reverse some of the tightness, your muscles, this is just how the body is designed, the muscles will not release if on the opposite side of you, which in this case is going to be your backside, if the opposite side of you has weaknesses. All right, so now when we're looking at trap dominance, trap dominance, there's not like one cure, okay? It's not just like one thing that you do to make it better. There's always multiple issues which we have to deal with with the athlete, okay? So I'm showing you that, all right, here on the front side, this is, okay, this is the problem that we have with the pecs. But now in order to honestly get long-term results, now we have to deal with the backside of the athlete. All right, so individuals who have this trap dominance, this is tied in, if you, if you study the literature, you know something called upper cross syndrome, there's like lower cross syndrome. There's, there's threads of this in here too. I'm just telling you how we train around this. So the next area is that you're gonna see a profound amount of weakness and it's due to neglect of training and neglect of stretching and mobility throughout whether this is occupational movement that we see or even overt training in the in the fitness space is that you see weakness and underdevelopment in the in the mid scap the lower trap area the rear delts and the rhomboids 
we haven't even hit the lower part of the body yet. We're just going to focus on the torso today. But here's where you're going to see a profound amount of weakness. You're not going to see hardly any mind-muscle connection. The athlete can rarely feel these things firing, and usually they know it. And it's that humility that the athlete will have to say, yeah, you know what, I actually knew this the whole entire time. I've just been doing whatever it takes to compensate for these movements. And I, I'm an athlete. Like I just, I want to get the goal. I want to go faster. I want to lift heavier. And so the tendency is just to compensate and find a way to hit the goal and do what needs to be done. But at the end of the day, then they always hit the, they always hit the lid. They always hit the plateau. And then they have to humble themselves and remain 100% coachable so that they can do the work and fix everything that needs to be fixed so that they can have long-term results and like totally crush like whatever plateau they were on, like they totally blast through it and, and it's seamless. And this happens really quickly as long as you have a coachable athlete who's willing to do work independently of when they see you. Because a lot of this is going to require them to take their stretching and their mobility work and myofascial work at home. It's going to be targeted training. It's going to be um, how do we alter some of their set workouts in order to retrain movement pathways. So you're, you're doing like a whole different training system for these athletes. But by the same token, you're still able to structure. I don't know what your athletes are like. My athletes, they're... <laughs> They kind of are like me, like they're crazy when it comes to training, but this doesn't, I mean, maybe your athletes are not like high performance, like they, they, they're not like that. They're a little bit softer, but mine are they're like overtly crazy. <laughs> the harder the workouts, they, they love it. You know, they're like, oh man, that was really hard, but I love it. <laughs> they just, they crack me up. They're still able to structure really challenging workouts for these athletes, even though sometimes they're not moving weight. They're doing plyometrics. They're doing body weight. You are going to be exposing tiny little muscles, which have never been trained. And your athlete, it's so funny. Like they will roll their eyes and they'll kind of like, you know, think they're going to like, what's the word? Schlep through a motion. And then they get out there to try to do it and they fall down and they look at you and you're like, I told you like (laughs) you're, you're weak there or you're going to be unstable there because we're, we've exposed this tiny muscle, which you've never trained before. And I'll tell you what, if there was ever a moment that your athlete doubted you or doubted your word, when you say like, okay, this is what to expect. And they're always like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, you know how they get and they're like, they don't want to listen because it's almost like beneath their level. And you can just like in two seconds, humble their ass because like, oh my God, holy oh my God. And then like now all of a sudden you have their attention and they're now they listen to you at a higher level. And when that moment happens, I laugh because it's always hilarious. It happens with some of like the biggest, most muscly, strongest athletes ever. I'm a woman coach. And so it's probably more funny for me because there's that when I coach men, 
there's that male female balance of power that occurs and I do my best to be you know respectful and not diminish masculinity but I got to tell you there's something so funny about when you when you get this big muscly strong like mega athlete in front of you who you know comes in and they think that they're all this and you're just like you know okay just be expectant of this and thinking okay I'm not that's I'm gonna be the exception and then they wipe out or they like (laughs) and to watch their faces try not to show face like (laughs) it cracks me up like how awesome, I gotta just tell you, like, how awesome is it that you can get paid to coach people and have so much fun? I really like it, it never gets old to me. But in all seriousness, when you have that moment with your athlete, when you're doing this for this sort of training, whether you wanna even call this kind of like rehab work or whatever, when you have that moment of Eureka moment where you have exposed the weak muscle and they're not able to muscle through it, you've completely isolated that thing and they are failing on rep one. And then you're correcting them on form and you, you, you nope, your traps or whatever. Like you have this athlete at such a humble moment and their competitive spirit jumps in that all of a sudden they refuse to have this level of weakness live inside of their body that they become the most coachable individual on the planet. And they start paying attention now to their body signals because they refuse <laughs> to have this thing that makes them like less effective than a little old lady in a nursing home. And so you, the, the, the results and the, the, the speed at which they achieve results for themselves is it's usually like, it's like, it's super fast and you can assure them of that. What I will tell you before I forget is that you know this too, that when you reduce and you break your athlete down into movements that they honestly can't do, you always want to then integrate and end on a movement which they excel at so that they leave on a very positive note. Okay, because that obviously keeps them in the game. So back to the trap thing is that now when we're looking at the backside of the traps or the backside of the thorax, the backside of the chest cavity, we want to do targeted training to get the lower traps to get everything in the mid-scap area. And this is assuming that you don't have issues with like dorsal fins with the, with the scaps, with the shoulder blades sticking out in the back. Okay, because we see that too right, from different malformations from the shoulders, you know, reaching and curling forward. And so that's a whole other thing. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Most people will think, okay, all I'm going to do then, if it's the upper traps which are firing, the upper traps which are dominant, I'm just going to come down and start training the lower traps. That usually will not be successful because in order to have that ability, you also have to have separation between all of the back muscles, the traps, and the delts. So rather than trying to structure workouts which target the lower traps, what I will tell you, I mean, we kind of do that a little bit, but the next place actually to go to is the rear delts. Because again, people who are highly trap dominant usually do not have mind muscle connection with the rear delts, which means that they do not have that that control. They don't have the muscle developed back there. And the rear delts, 
not only do they make for a very aesthetically pleasing physique, but they are the go-to trigger muscle to then start training your athlete from the outside, from the, you know, the far points, the lateral points in towards the middle. So the next place that you go is actually you go to the rear delts. Now here's the thing. Athletes, in order to get them to train rear delts, they have to learn how to train the traps into submission to get the nerve impulses to go to the rear delts rather than jerking or pulling or training with the traps. So this is where we start to, to train their mind muscle and when you're training them or when you're training yourself or they're training themselves, they have to have the coaching cue of rear delts, rear delts, rear delts. And you want to be, because here's what will happen, is that they start thinking like, don't use the traps, don't use the traps, but energy flows where attention goes. And so if you're highlighting traps, even though you're trying not to use them, just the way that the body is designed and the brain and the nervous system is designed, that if you call attention to it, that's where all the energy pathway is going to go. Just like if I told you, don't think of a red fire truck, you thought of it, right? I told you not to, but you did anyway. That's how your nervous system is designed. So energy flows where attention goes. When you're cueing these athletes or cueing yourself, it's not don't think of, of lower of traps. Don't use the traps, okay? What it is is you're moving the target into a different space. My target now is rear delts, rear delts, rear delts, rear delts. Okay, and then when you're training it, you want to have your athlete assume a very, very, like this is when form becomes very, very strict. This is not the time for momentum and, and speed and swinging stuff around and trying to lift heavy weights. Now you have to dial them into form, which is usually against their nature. So I'll tell you, um, I put up um, on my website, on the fitness aspect of our website, um, there is an online course it's called yoga basics and one of the reasons that hold on a second now before it's not just about yoga the reason why I did this was because there's dedicated stretches and movements in there which I use to train athletes out of certain muscle groups which are dominant so I use it training athletes out of trap dominance. I use it to train athletes who have glute inhibition. I use it to train athletes who um, have hip tightness and are not able to deadlift or squat. And I use it with, I mean, I use it on all different components because it's set up modular. So there's hip exercises, movements. So it's not just, I mean, you can use it for yoga, but I use it as the fill-ins with my athletes. And what I'm telling you is that in the very beginning of Yoga Basics, there's, there's like a warm-up sequence. And it, it focuses, and it's so, <laughs> just be advised, okay? I started this whole thing out of my house, all right? So I was filming this video, <laughs> and I filmed it in the front room. Like, I'm, I had moved, you know, there's no furniture in there. I put out a yoga mat, and I just, I was filming this yoga thing. And so it's just, it's very basic, like, I'm not wearing makeup, like, just be advised, this is not, like, professional, but the shit works, okay, so use it for the content, you know, don't expect, you know, this Hollywood production thing, okay, <laughs> just telling you, but in the very beginning, there's a warm-up sequence, and it dials the athlete in, 
on assuming the form which which goes from the bottom of their feet all the way up to the top of their head. So it trains them to get into body posture and it gives them the coaching cues. So you want to stand what we call midfoot so that your weight is, and this is before they start training rear delts, okay? Assuming that they're standing on the ground to do this exercise, you want to stand midfoot so that your weight is balanced between the front and back, between the right and left sides. And typically what's going to happen is we do this, the athlete's going to start to complain of hip pain, of lower back pain, because while they may, may be primarily trap dominant, muscles and the way that they've developed based on training, based on occupational movement, and what they do with their leisure time causes this cascade of muscle inequalities between the right and left side and between the front and back. So as they start to, to get into alignment, they're going to tell you like this doesn't feel right because their muscles are all jacked up and the fascia is all jacked up and we'll work through it. Okay, so you're standing midfoot, equal weight distribution from front to back, equal weight distribution from right and left side. You want to lengthen your torso, and here's the key. Shoulder blades get pinned down and back, and the torso, like imagine that there's a string attached to your sternum. It's pulling you up towards the ceiling. It's lengthening you. You're not arching your back. You're lengthening yourself. And you'll see like their hands, like they get this weird posture in their hands because this is so foreign to them. But that's the basement. That's, that's the foundation on how you start to rebuild this athlete. It starts with their form. And then as you're doing targeted rear delt training, in this case, even if they're in a seated position, even if they're doing cables, even if they're doing bent over, you know, rows or work, however this plays out in their, in their workout program, is that the next thing is to constantly cue them on the rear delts, but the shoulder blades get pinned down and back. You want to be drawing in your abdominals and keeping your abdominals tight. And then the other thing is maintaining, maintaining what we call spinal neutrality. It's a tendency for most athletes when they train to try to look at themselves in the mirror. You want to start getting them familiar with their body so that they're looking in the mirror not for pump. They're Now they're watching form. And once they start to get that rear delt connection there, your next move is to instruct them to keep their head, their neck, in what we call a neutral plane. So rather than looking up or looking to the side into the mirror, you want the neck and the, and the back to be virtually straight. Of course, I mean, obviously there's natural curves in the spinal column, but in, and, and the gaze. You don't want them to try to be looking up with their gaze because wherever you look, the muscles follow. So what ends up happening is if you're doing a bent over motion, let's say we're doing bent over you know, rows and we're highlighting the rear delts, that you're hinging at the hip and now the whole spine is virtually straight and their gaze, we call this a baby doll eye, their gaze is fixed in the exact plane because they're looking straight forward. But in this position, they're looking down towards the ground. So we get like ultra specific because we're training the nervous system. We're training the energy to come away from the upper traps and highlight the other muscles. Does that make sense? So here I'm going to give you one quick exercise that you can do to start training the rear delts because the other thing that happens with individuals who have a high level of trap dominance is 
they have to, they don't usually have very good shoulder mobility. And you have to be a very strict student and a very strict observer on the difference between athletes who are just using momentum and their traps to do things like arm circles. You're going to see there's a big difference between actual shoulder mobility and just like moving the muscles around to do the movement. Um, what I will tell you is that they're not able to do strict form rear delt training because they don't have the capacity to open up their chest. They've got those adhesions, the sticky points on their pec muscles. The front delt is all like stuck and they don't have highlighted rear delt mind muscle connection yet. So here's what I'm going to tell you that you can do. Have your athlete do wide grip assisted pull-ups with a rear delt emphasis. So you're coaching them and you're triggering them to focus on the rear delts. And as they're pulling up, oh, and grip is forward, okay? And again, form still applies. So shoulder blades down and back. They're lengthening their spine. They're drawing their abdominals in. Okay, their gaze is forward. And as they're holding the bar, have them bring their thumb instead of like your thumb is in opposition. You bring your thumb to the front of the bar so that it's facing forward. It's, it's right next to the index finger and everything is facing forward rather than grabbing around the bar. Does that make sense? So when you move that thumb over, you actually, you're taking the forearms out and as they're pulling up, cue them to start squeezing through the middle ring and pinky finger. And what that does is it starts to, to train the, the nerves that are tipping towards the outside of the body, towards the lateral aspect of the body. And what it does is it helps them dial in and start to get that rear delt emphasis just with that exercise. And just be advised, in the beginning, they're going to be complaining, I don't feel rear delt. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. And it's highly frustrating for them. It's highly frustrating for them. You just have to assure them it's going to come. Okay? Old habits totally die hard. <laughs> okay? And it, they can make this take as long as they want to. They can either do it right and do the work, or they can try to, you know, do what they do, which is use momentum and be frustrated and just try to get the movement down. So, again, it's the coachability of your athlete and the consistency and, and ultimately the end goal. I'll tell you what, most athletes who come to me, this is just reminded me, who come to me because they've reached a plateau on their bench, we've never trained bench. What we do is we target the problem spots, we retrain movement pathways, and usually their bench will go up by, by like 30 pounds in a very short period of time simply because we're training the accessories and we're we're able to open them up and get better range of motion and let them use the entire like body as the driving force rather than just leading with the traps. It's a totally different way of training. And usually once the athletes get on there, like they can't believe, they can't believe that they're getting such results with this weird kind of training. It's, it's totally different. It's not the heavy hard-hitting stuff. We do a lot of stretching, we do a lot of myofascial work, and we do a lot of repetition. 
And this is just on the thorax. As you go down, a lot of people with trap dominance, and it doesn't, it's not always equal. You can have inequalities between the right and left side. So as you go down the thorax, then we usually have issues where we have tight hip flexors, tight and weak hip, hip flexors. We have tilted pelvis. We've got glute inhibition. You'll hear your athletes are complaining of either lower back tightness or their hamstrings. Like, I just I can't bend like that. Or you're going to see, like, deep, deep, deep core failure. And he, that would be another place where we start to look. We start looking at the glutes. I start looking at their, like, what happens when they hinge at the hip? Are they bending their legs? Do they have escape pathways? Because the way that the muscular system is designed is that, okay, we may have these issues with trap dominance, but everything starts to compensate, and it's almost like a pinball machine. That if we have a problem up here on the top right side, the next area, which is down towards the left, has to compensate in tightness, in form or function to counter it so that you can remain upright and vertical. Once you have that ability to stand and walk and defy gravity and you've got balance and everything, your brain and your nervous system works on such a subtle level you don't even realize to keep you vertical that there works in compensation. So if you have tightness on the upper right part of the trap, then we usually see tightness on towards the left side a little bit lower down the athlete. And then we tend to see like a rebound effect, kind of like a pinball machine. Then we see tightness on the right hip. And then we start to see issues with the left glute. So it, it works like a pinball machine back and forth, back and forth all the way down from what could be primarily a trap-dominant trained issue. So do they see results once we start targeting rear delts? Yes, they do. But it also unmasks and reveals like the next layer of peeling back the onion. Now, okay, now we have this. And that can also be frustrating for the athlete too because they thought this was just kind of like a one and done. But now you're exposing all these problems that they have and they, they get frustrated with it. But when you have an athlete who's honest to God, like committed to the end product, whatever that is, what will happen is you're going to get this athlete by the time everything is said and done. You're going to have an athlete who's very compliant with stretching and mobility, which is always neglected in every area of athleticism until it becomes a habit. So that's going to become part of their credo. And what will happen, though, is that by the time everything is said and done and they continue this method of training throughout the rest of their lives, they end up with these ridiculously aesthetically gorgeous bodies because everything becomes symmetrical and balanced and full and awesome, but they also are freaking strong as holy hell because we strengthen them from the inside out. I mean, it's like, it's insane. It's insane. That's all I can say about that. Okay, so... Your steps then with trap dominance, okay, Houston, we have a problem here. Here's the problem, <laughs> all right? You're going to see tightness within the pecs. You can start to stretch and roll some of that stuff out. You want to be sure that you're not overstretching the anterior delts, thinking that you're trying to get to the pecs. Then you want to train the rear delts. 
Okay, rear delt emphasis on all of your motions. You want to have your coaching cues. Focus on rear delt, rear delt, rear delt. You want to assume your position. You're pinning down your shoulder blades, down and back. Abdominals are tight. You're lengthening your torso. And you're moving through the movement. <laughs> and then once you get those things firing, and obviously the rear delt treatment, the rear delt training program, it's, it, we have workouts which are completely rear delt focused then you can start to come back towards the middle and highlight that mid-scap and lower trap area. But it typically doesn't turn on really well until you get those, until you get the rear delts and like the rhomboids firing. Then you start to have that muscle control, the mind-muscle maneuverability to come back towards the middle and start highlighting that mid-scap, the lower trap area. It's pretty freaking cool, right? I know. All right. So those are your knowledge bombs for the day. I mean, obviously, make sure that your athlete's diet is on point. Make sure that they're hydrating well. You know, you, you need to have that in order to increase mobility and flexibility for the muscles and also for the fascia. And if there's anything that I can do, my company can do, my coaches can do to serve you or your athletes, you need assistance. You know, we can come to you, but we also do a majority of our coaching. We do it remotely. And all we need to do is just have a few pointed conversations. We actually, you know, we can watch your movement patterns. You know, we have you upload videos up on different platforms, you know, Dropbox. We can share videos and things like that. It's awesome. And we can actually get you the results even though we don't see you in person. So if that would be of service to you or to your athletes, please, we, that's what we love to do. You know, we firmly believe that your health is the vehicle for your life. So whether this has straight up athletic performance goals or this is, you know, fallout from occupational hazards um, based on the movement that your your crews or, or your employees do, like we're in that space. Like we're able to help you, you know, save money. Okay, if we're talking about this from an employee aspect, you know, how much money does it cost if you have somebody go out on workers comp? Okay, so we're able to dial these things in and develop a program for you and your company, however that plays out, so that you can have very healthy and very durable athletes, very durable employees to save yourself a boatload of money, excuse me, and keep everybody healthy and vibrant so you can have higher level of productivity and obviously you can stay focusing on doing your business activities rather than worrying about things like overtime and insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so let's do this. Go straight to our website, which is transformationgold.org and then there's a contact us tab in the top right-hand corner. Excuse me. Man, I trained legs last night. <laughs> last night. And I, I always try to drink a gallon of water after training. <coughs> Excuse me. It was I was so damn tired, man. I did not get that gallon of water in. And so now I'm so freaking dry. Oh, Got to get that workout schedule on a more routine, like a, a better time. That's my next goal. Um But do that drop down and contact us directly via our website, transformationgold.org. And um, if you would like access to that yoga basics to get that warm-up program, 
you'll see on the home page of the website, there's just <laughs> there's just two blocks there right now. It says click here for the fitness division. So click over there and that's going to take you to the fitness side. And then it's set up just like any other website. There's a store and then, you know, you can click on that and you can just, you know, do your purchase and then you'll have all of it's all on demand. And then you can utilize those exercises or the warm up sequence for your athletes. And I also included in there, I just remembered this in advance. It's, I call it a game changer stretch. And um, I learned that one from a strength and conditioning coach, John Garish, and it, it really helped me when I was having a problem. I had some dorsal thinning of, of my right scap, and I needed some help with that, and um, I learned this stretch from him. And it was an absolute game changer, and it's awesome for any rotational athlete. So again, if you have a body, you're an athlete. So this, I use it with my fire dudes. I use it with every athlete, whether it's a football player, it's an MMA fighter, it's a woman who's looking to, you know, develop some nice, you know, cap shoulders on her or whatever. But it, it's, it's a beautiful stretch. And I put it inside of that yoga basics because we use it so much with our athletes and it honest to God freaking works. The coaching cues are in there and it, it will help you and your athletes. I totally promise you. So that's up on the yoga basics. That's all I got for you today, guys. So I'm ready to go back in here. I'm going in to do my mobility day and uh, drink a lot of water. <laughs> Apparently I need it. Okay. <laughs> all right, you guys make it a great day. Thank you for joining us today and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.